This is The Bible in Depth with PJ. Join us as we take a deeper look into scriptures and study the Word of God together. Now here is Pastor Jim. Hey everybody. Well, we're back. It's Wednesday, uh, 7 o'clock. Some of you are tuning in live right now on Facebook. Some of you watch it later on Facebook. It's going to be on YouTube. You can watch it there. Download it as a podcast too. And you can share it with your friends. I'm okay with that. Uh, We've been going through um, selected psalms and uh, text within those psalms uh, for topical studies uh, during this uh, season. And today we're going to talk on something I think everybody... um, I think everybody deals with at times in, in different quantities, and that is fear. And I, I call this one no fear. Now, let me begin by saying this, that um, when my kids were little um, and they were with mom or with me, they were very secure. They had security. They knew they were protected. Uh, they weren't anxious. They weren't fearful because they were with us. Now, I have to admit that a few times with a few of my kids over the years, um, we drove off and left them at church. (laughs) And you know what? People would always drive them back to my house. And so every, every time, every time I thought I was out, they just dragged me back in to this parenting thing. You know, they always kept showing up again. But, but, but honestly, um, the, the reason why we would drive off and forget our kids is not because we didn't want them. It's because Olivia and I, because I've been in ministry all, this, all these decades, I, we would drive two different cars. And so sometimes we would think the other one had the kids when they didn't and we drove off. Uh, I can remember one of them too. I think it was Vanessa. I drove off and I didn't even see her in the rearview mirror. She's standing behind the car and she's just like looking at like, and somebody told me this, like, where's my dad going? But we would drive two different cars. And so in that respect, we're a lot like Mary and Joseph. When Jesus, they didn't know where he was because in the caravan, you know, men and women could be in different parts of the caravan. I thought you had the kid. I thought that you did. And so we'd leave our kid behind. Only that our kid wasn't teaching in the temple at age 12. <laughs> so, But um, the point is this. When we drove off, my secure kids, knowing that mom and dad protected them, I guarantee there was a moment of fear. I guarantee there was mo- there was there were minutes of insecurity and and, and what, what's going on because why because they were not with us mm. we were not there to care for them protect them <clears throat> and that security wouldn't come back until we were together again now I want you to think about that because I don't think that's a far-fetched parallel to our faith in God you see. When I'm with him, um, when I'm with Christ, I, ha- I have tremendous security. When I'm really walking as, as close as I can, it gives me great confidence. And what I mean by close is, you know, I spend time in the Word and talking to him and, you know, you know, worshiping him. These are really good disciplines that we should practice regularly. And so it causes me to have a real um, security, <clears throat> even in the face of in the face of situations where it would cause us to fear normally. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at uh, Psalm 91 as uh, we talk about no fear. Um, And by the way, Jesus told his followers uh, never to walk around in fear. And so I take that as fact. In fact, Jesus repeated the phrase so often, do not fear. 
So the psalmist here in Psalm 91, if you've got your Bible there, he's going to take us um, on a walkthrough, a life without fear. And how I'm going to do it this week is I'm going to start with the fear section and then I'm going to back up to the why we shouldn't have fear in our life. Um, so we're going to go at it from that perspective as hopefully we now will learn to walk in no fear in our life. So let's turn to Psalm 91. Now let me start with the fear factor here of what the psalmist says. And uh, I'm going to break it up into different statements. So the first statement is this. He says, you will not be afraid. He says it? Yep. Look at verse 5 of Psalm 91. You will not be afraid of the terror by night of the arrow that flies by day. He says, you will not be afraid. Now, think about that. He did not say, well, you know, you might not be afraid. He didn't say, well, you know, I hope you're not going to be afraid. No, he said, you will not be afraid. And let me repeat it again. Jesus repeatedly told the disciples, do not fear. Not try not to fear. I hope you don't fear. He said, do not fear. You know what fear is? Uh, there's probably multiple definitions, but let me give you one. Fear is the belief that something bad going to happen. It's the belief that something bad's going to happen when it hasn't even happened. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that nothing bad ever happens to me. It does at times. <clears throat> but what he's telling me is I don't need to walk in fear. I don't have to fall apart if the world's caving in around me in the midst of calamity, I can walk in security. I, I don't have to retreat or be paralyzed by life situations. Things are going to happen to me. Bad stuff happens. Things go wrong. You know, it's all over the place. But I don't have to walk in the fear of any of that is what he's telling me. You will not be afraid. Now, the question is, if I am not to fear, what am I not to fear? <laughs> and that's the second thing I want to say today, and that is, I'm not to fear at any time, at any time in my life, I'm not to fear. Now watch what he says. I'm going to read verse 5 again and then verse 6. And then I'm going to show you something about this. I'm not to fear at any time. Verse 5 and verse 6. You will not be afraid of the terror by night <clears throat> or of the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. Mm. I want you to notice something about those verses. Watch what the psalmist is breaking down for you. You will not fear at night or during the day or in darkness or at noon. See, the writer here is breaking the 24-hour uh, day period into four parts. The Hebrews divided 24 hours in a day into four parts. And that's what this guy's doing. He's rising Hebrew. That's what he's breaking it down. He's encompassing uh, the entire day is what he's doing. And what he's saying when he does that is this. I, we, you, follower of Christ, I'm not to fear at any time. <clears throat> This brings up an interesting thought for me, something you might want to think about. If, if, if you're a person um, that lives in fear, have you ever thought about this? Are there certain 
um, hours of the day that might cause you to fear? Are there certain uh, situations or experiences that remind you of past experiences that can bring fear into your life and overwhelm you? You gotta think about that because there are tendencies that you need to look for in these spiritual attacks that try to drive fear into your life. Is it in the morning when you wake up? Oh man, there's just a fear comes upon you. Is it at night when you're trying to fall asleep, you close your eyes, you think about all the things that could go wrong tomorrow, this or that? Or maybe you're driving home on the 91 freeway and it's like you're looking at, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this freeway is so crowded. You know, w w there could be all kinds of things. I, I've met a few people in my life that they just fear they're going to die at a young age. They look at how old their parent died at, at certain things, and they think, oh no, I'm going to die at that age too. I've met Christians like that. That's a past experience and now paralyzes in the present. Now, and so you've got to examine all these things. Are there certain experiences, are there certain times of the day, are there certain things that remind you of this or that that can cause fear in your life? When are you more apt to experience fear? That's a big question I would ask myself and I would propose to you to ask yourself. Now, there's another dimension to all this, and that is, and the third thing I want to say is, <laughs> I'm not to fear anything. That's what he says. Don't fear anything. Now, I'm going to read verse 5 and 6 again, and I'm going to break some things down for you. You will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks in darkness or the destruction that lays waste at noon. Now, let me, let me show you what's going on. This is really cool what he's doing. He's just said to us, you will not fear terror at night. You will not fear arrows that fly by day. You will not fear pestilence that stalks in the darkness. You will not fear destruction that lays waste at noon. Now let's break that down. Let's break down what he's saying. Let's break down some of the words, these Hebrew words, and what they uh, uh, give a full. Let's give a fuller meaning to them. When he says, "Think about it." Now let's think about it. I'm not to fear anything. I'm not to fear the terror by night. Now the word terror that comes at night in this in his context here. It means panic or disaster. You ever have a panic come upon you? Because you fear there's a disaster coming? You ever had this overwhelming sense of fear like something, it's coming, something bad going to happen? You ever have that? He said you're not supposed to fear that. Now, I have, um, I honestly have never had a panic attack in my entire life that I, that I can ever even remember. But I have known people that do, and I have been around a few people when they were having a panic attack. They're brutal. The panic attack's brutal. What it does to them. But the one thing I notice as they talk as the, in their panic attack, there's a, there's a consistent thing in just the few people that I've been around when they're having it. So this is not some scientific study. But I've noticed that their, their panic has a built-in um, belief that disaster is coming. Something bad's going to happen. And that's what he's saying. You will, not be, you will not fear the terror, the panic, the disaster that comes by night. You, you will not fear those things at all. Now, the second thing he says, you're not to be afraid. You will not fear the arrow that flies by day. Now, arrow that flies means an arrow that flies. But I thought about what, an arrow that flies. 
Well, an arrow, if you think about it, it can come out of nowhere. It, it can be very unexpected, and yet it pierces. It goes deep. It drives in. But it's, it can be unexpected. So here's the, the point. Is life filled with unexpected things that can happen to us out of the blue? You better believe it. You, yes, it happens to all of us. That, that happens. That's just what life is. Things happen. And it's not because you're a good person or a bad person or God's not there. It's just life. It's a fallen world. And so these things do happen. But I don't need to be afraid of the possibility of that happening. I don't even have to spend my time thinking about that happening. And then he says, do not fear the pestilence that stalks in darkness. Well, that's interesting. Pestilence means plague. Stalks means to walk with you. Oh, now you're not going to be afraid of a plague that walks with you. Okay. <clears throat> if you think about those words, um, it's almost like he's saying it's the encountering of a disease or a sickness, a long-term sickness, or you get COVID, which are all possibilities in a fallen world. You'll not be afraid of those things. But Jim, they're bad. I've seen people, you know, get cancer and it destroys them and kills them. I've had relatives. My dad died of that, friends. I watched it. And we've seen people now get COVID and die. But let me tell you, you're not going to be afraid of that. And I said this on the Christmas Eve service when people say, "Why does where's Jesus in, a, in this COVID thing? Well, you could say that. Where's Jesus in your cancer? Where's Jesus... You know, in that automobile accident, or where's Jesus here? Which look, Jesus already solved all this stuff. He conquered death. See, the problem is, all of a sudden, if I was to get a disease, or you were with COVID, all of a sudden, we're, we're, the big fear is heightened of death. Well, death was always a possibility, wasn't it? All of a sudden, we we it's almost like de death wasn't there and it came out of the blue. No, it was always a possibility. As I get older, I understand the the possibility even more, but. Jesus conquered death. He already solved the situation for me. And since he conquered death, all I know is my, I'm going to leave this body one day. It's going to wear out. It's going to give up. It's, it's inevitable. It's going to grow old. And, and some people, it happens to them at a younger age because of disease or sickness, whatever. Something happens, accident. But he conquered death. And so I don't have to worry about death. I don't have to think. I don't have to fear these things. Okay? Do you, you catch what I'm saying? But if I have a worldview that says, well, I have 75 years of life or 60 years of life, and then that's it, well, then I would fear all day long because your worldview is this is all there is and there's no rhyme or reason or purpose or anything. But if you have a God worldview with a God perspective, you know you're going to live beyond this life and this material world is not all there is. He conquered death. Now, he says, and you're not going to fear the destruction that lays waste at noon. Mm, destruction just simply means destruction, <laughs> but lays waste. It means to deal violently, to devastate, to ruin. Hey, friends, do things happen to us that can really devastate us emotionally and mentally? You better believe it. People can hurt us, can't they? They can devastate us. Friends who now become ex-friends. Some of you know what it feels like to have somebody you love and they once loved you and they said they love you forever and then they say, I don't love you anymore. Isn't that devastating? Yeah. 
Some of you can have a child that doesn't want to talk to you anymore. When they get a certain age, they just say, don't call me, don't talk to me, nothing like that. It's devastating, isn't it? You can get laid off from a job. That's devastating, isn't it? it there's, life is filled with the potential for devastation. It just is. But in all the things I have mentioned from these, this text here, and there's much, so much more application we could draw out of it, he says, you will not fear. You will not fear. <clears throat> now let me reaffirm what he didn't say. He didn't say the disaster won't happen to me or disease or sickness will never touch me. He didn't say that. He didn't say painful things won't happen to me in life. He didn't say these unexpected arrows won't pierce me and devastate me or someone. He didn't say that. He just said, do not fear any of it. Let me tell you what I think he's saying. He's saying, Jim, don't waste any of your time or energy or thought process worrying about any of those things coming your way. Of any of it happening. Just quit worrying about that. This is, that just sucks the life out of you, man. It paralyzes you. Okay, now, the big question. Knowing all these possibilities in life, all these negative things, how can I not fear? Well, there's only one answer, and you have to trust it, and I've chosen to trust it. And that's, we're going to back up to verse 1, and read 1 through 4 for you, okay? Here's the answer. He says, do not fear? Okay, how? Here's why. Let me read it, let me, let me break it down. It says, he who dwells, in the same chapter, 91, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, it is He who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. Okay, let me break it down. <clears throat> I'm to dwell in his shelter. Okay, in my life and your life, we go to work, we go to stores, we go to restaurants. You know, this, this past Sunday, I'm... I went to church. I love church. always have. Since the moment I got saved, I loved it. hate missing it. Um, and afterwards, I went to a restaurant. It was great. But you know what? As much as I go to those places, I don't dwell at the restaurant. As much as I love being in church, I don't dwell in church. My dwelling is my home. It's where I... My dwelling is where I always return to. There's a consistent returning to that place. So think about that idea that I dwell, I dwell with God. It's the place I always return to. I always return to the Word. I always try to return to speaking with God, talking with Him, sitting alone with God. I try to return. I return to worship. I return to serve. I return to these places. This is it. And in there, he says that I'm to abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, now think about that. How close 
if you're with people, how close do you have to be to someone to be in their shadow? Right there, buddy. You got to be right close to them. So to be in the shadows, to be so close. So he's talking about real close intimacy with God, that you're really tight with God. This is the place you're always returned to. That's how. These are the building blocks to no fear. And then he says, he calls God my refuge and my fortress. Hmm. A refuge and fortress is a place that you go to to be safe from a pursuing enemy. This is the place as we dwell in God and we return to Him that God meets all the attacks against us. Let me give you for instance. It's happened to me a few times over the years as a pastor. It's happened to you too, I'm sure. Uh, there have been uh, seasons where a person um, in church or a group of people in church starts spreading lies about me. I know, uh, it, it's painful. And they attack from afar. I really want to speak up. I really want to defend myself. Oh my gosh, I really want to say something from, from the pulpit. Right <laughs> But I don't. No, I don't. I, I'm not going to stoop down. I'm not going to be a child like that. And I found something in Scripture works the first time I really went through it. I found that God is my defender. Hmm. That I trust Him in my situations. And if I just trust Him over time and not try to quickly jump in and fix that situation, I trust Him over time. In quietness and in trust shall be my strength. Over time, I have found that God defends me in my enemies. They retreat and their lies fall apart and are exposed. And I never had to defend myself. I just kept doing what I'm supposed to do. I kept doing my God work. I kept doing these things. And God's my defender. And isn't in reality the only person that really matters uh, should matter to us who thinks what is what God thinks, right? And then he says <clears throat> that he's our deliverer from snares. Oh my gosh, snares. Think about snares in our life. Those are temptations that are put in our path. And the snare is designed to trap you and to hold you prisoner. Now, snares of the trapper. The trapper, we have, you know, our enemy Satan. He tries to trap us in all kinds of temptations and different things to get us into bondages. But I want you to think about this too, just on a kind of a wider application. Um, did they try to trap Jesus in, in, they try to snare him and trap him, the, the religious leaders like the scribes and different Sadducees and Pharisees. Yeah, yeah, they try to trap him. They're trappers. And did you ever notice how wise he is? He had great answers that they could never trap him. Yeah. Let me tell you something about that. The more you're with Christ, the more you're in this word, when people try to trap you in things, you're, you're gleaning a wisdom that you don't realize how powerful it is. And a discernment, because you're tight with God, that you don't fall prey when people try to trap you. Because people try to trap you with their words and their little circular logics and stuff, but you'll, you'll glean this thing where the snare of the trapper comes, and nope, no, 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 no. Because I have enough God mind in me from this word over years and years and decades that nope, they're not going to trap me. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> he says finally that... Um, he covers me with his wings. Wow. <clears throat> let, me, let me share something. I think this is one of the things that um, 
that helps us combat one of the trapper Satan's biggest lies. You know one of his biggest lies is? I'm not really saved. Or I've sinned. I'm not saved. Let me do a little side note there. You ever notice that when Satan drops thoughts in your mind, he does it in the first person. He doesn't say, you're not saved. You're not really saved. No, he makes you think that his thoughts are your thoughts. I'm not saved. I'm not really saved. I've sinned there. I'm not saved. See, it's first person. That's He's really crafty like that. you got to recognize that's one of the things he does. You know, doesn't, doesn't that cause some of the biggest um, spiritual panic and devastation? I'm not really saved. Oh my gosh, I'm not really saved. Doesn't it? When we struggle with lies like that, But think, he said he covers me with his wings. I think there's a picture there. In the Old Testament, there's the Ark of the Covenant. And on the top of the Ark of the Covenant, you have the lid, which is called the mercy seat. That's where they come and sprinkle the blood. Every year for the Day of Atonement, it would cover people's sins, the nation, all the people's sins for one year. On t- well, on that lid, on that ark, you have two angels, both facing on the edges, standing, both facing that mercy seat middle part, and, and their wings are spread forward like this, covering. <clears throat> you, th- you think of a picture when, when, um, um, when he says, he covers me with his wings. It's almost like I think he could be even referring back to that mercy seat where sins are covered for one year. But let's flash forward. Because in the New Testament, uh, Jesus blows out of that tomb and he resurrects. Tremendous evidence for that too. Mary Magdalene, when she comes and looks in that empty tomb, what does she see? Two angels. You know where they're at in there? The spot where Jesus was laying on that slab that was carved out in that tomb, one was sitting at the head and one at the feet. And you've got to kind of imagine that because his, his, his body was there, there's a little bit of red blood maybe on that slab. What's it a picture of? The Ark of the Covenant. Mm. But the difference is in the Old Testament, with the wings covered and the blood spring, it covered sins for one year. But in the New Testament, Jesus, his blood, cleanses away sin for all time. That's it. It's done. Boom. You put your faith in Christ, your sins are gone. Past, present, and future. What does that mean? I never have to be afraid. I never have to worry that somehow I'm not saved after all or somehow I've lost my salvation. I never have to worry about that. Because he covers me with his wings. I'm in the shadow of his wings and I'm near him, near him. See, the closer I walk with Christ over the longer period of time, I don't have to walk in fear. And I refuse in any situation, even a pandemic, I refuse to violate scripture and walk in fear. I'm not going to do it. I refuse to do it. And I will not allow anybody to sway me in that one. Will I take precautions? Absolutely. But I'm not going to walk in fear. And you need not walk in fear in any situation at any time in your life. But you've got to walk closer with Jesus Christ. And you're going to watch how that transforms your whole disposition in your life. Well, I'm going to pause right there. We'll pick it up in a different psalm next time. 
was good talking to you, and God bless you. We'll see you. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or need prayer, please send us an email to hello at nbcc.com. We'd love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and take a second to rate it. Until then, we'll see you next time.